No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, a podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am John Toyson. I am your host. Today, my guest on our premiere episode is my good friend, Katie Lascalzo. Katie is a school counselor here in Minnesota and was kind enough to sit down with me to talk about her experience with death, how she was raised, what it means for her to be a mom and a school counselor and basically all-around good person here in Minnesota, and how she handles the questions that I'm throwing at her. Basically, how can I make Katie cry today? Well, it didn't quite go like that, but that's what we ended up doing. So sit back, relax, and listen to how weird it can get as I ask Katie what it means to be a mortal person and what happens when we die. See you around. So we are actually rolling. So with me today, I have Katie. Hello. It's going to be just fine. <laughs> I know this is super weird. Yep. So this is, like I said, just going to be a conversation. I just want to ask you some questions about stuff that we can't normally talk about in Pleasant Company, um, kind of stuff that would bum people out at a party that you really don't want to talk about when like, hey, this kid's around. Maybe don't talk about our imminent death. <laughs> so uh, first of all, for anybody listening, what is your basic, super basic background? Like, who would you say you are? Just, who's Katie? Yeah, so I am a school counselor, high school students right now, and a mom of two, and that's about me. Okay. <laughs> I've seen the kids. They are adorable, and congratulations. <laughs> um, so... Were you raised in a religious household? Uh, so I was raised Catholic, um, but kind of like not not strict Catholic. Like we went to church at holidays. Okay. And I was confirmed and everything, but we it was kind of just like, this is what you do when you're Catholic. You go to church and you get confirmed and... I'm really like I didn't get a lot out of it. Um, it was just kind of like my dad was super Catholic growing up, and so he was like, "Yep, this is what we do." And then, but the fun part of it was that I went to some church camps, and so that was always really fun. Okay, with so my peers, it was definitely like your dad's kind of upbringing of he was passing this down. He wanted to do like, yeah. This is how I was brought up. This is how I'll bring my kids up. And exactly. Just, this is the. Okay. Yes. Uh, what about on your mom's side? Is there much um, there to speak of? I believe they're Catholic as well, but um, she wasn't as like strict about it. It was it, f- sorry, mom, if you're hearing this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, more like just going through the motions. Like we were never like really super into it. Like we never talked about it at home. It was just like. When we were little, we went on Sundays to, like, Sunday school. And then on Wednesdays when we were teenagers, we went to, like, the Wednesday evening, what do you call it, catechism, I guess. And then we got confirmed. And But, yeah, my mom wasn't um, super into it. But um, we were part of, like, the church community, I guess. But I didn't really feel like a huge connection to our church. So maybe it was just the wrong church. But, um, yeah, it was very traditional. Yeah. 
So the reason I'm asking about that stuff is the idea that that helps shape what happens afterwards. So to jump from, you know, three inches deep in the pool to the deep, deep, deep end, what do you think happens when we die? Just like blanket statement of not thinking too hard about it, but somebody just says, hey, what do you think happens when we die? Do you Mm -hmm. think it's like a particular scenario or is it dependent on the individual or is it just dead Mm -hmm. over that's it what do you think Mm -hmm. i've always felt like there is something there is an afterlife but i haven't like really connected it to religion so much it's just kind of something that i've always just felt in my inside me that there's something to look forward to after death um something good i guess i don't believe there's like a heaven and a hell like like, if you're bad, you're going to hell for the rest of eternity. Like, that just seems like something that, I don't know, it's, it's like a scare tactic kind of thing. Yeah, that it feels like it's, uh, that it would be almost a bizarre end to things of say, that's it, you're being punished forever, mm-hmm. that it's almost right. like a game of gotcha, that mm-hmm. you didn't play by the rules, therefore you've lost this opportunity that right. unless somebody specifically tells you about in this existence, you have no idea about it. Mm-hmm. in this next phase of life that yeah it's so the the particular what i always think of as comic book trappings of catholic faith um i was raised lutheran which doesn't have a lot to it and again mom and dad sorry <laughs> that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how i was raised and it it's a fairly inoffensive religion in the sense of there's not particularly hard fast dogmatic um really aggressive tenants to the faith it's pretty bland as far as christianity goes Mm -hmm. but i went to catholic high schools and a catholic college and that was almost accidental in the sense of like that wasn't a planned out thing to make sense of my world it was more so here's a setting with which there's a framework around the education that you can take or leave just happens that these schools are a good fit for me at the time Mm -hmm. but what i really took from that was that there are that there are things about the Catholic faith that are particularly, um, the canon, the dogmaticness of it, like saints and superpowers that they have and miracles that happen and, Mm -hmm. um, particular saints to pray to for this thing and saints to pray to for this thing and miracles that happen. It's almost that it feels, like I said, comic booky. So it, that really colors the sense of how I interpreted purgatory, for example, like that's something that's pretty as far as I understand, pretty particular to the Catholic faith that if you die without being to a certain point in your faith, you actually go through this cleansing period that's not really present in other faiths, even in other Christianities. And what really tripped me up with it when I was younger was that uh, priests that I had for classes would say that unbaptized babies would have to go through this period of purgatory to be cleansed. Mm-hmm. Like if, if a this is horrible, say an unbaptized baby dies, that it would have to go through this cleansing period. But I always questioned, and I still would question now, what has a baby done wrong that it would have to go through this cleansing thing? But then that starts to get into um, the idea of original sin, where Mary was the first to be born pure without that original sin, and therefore when Jesus was born, he was born into a clean slate, basically. And it's again, that it's kind of this... It feels like Star Wars and the Force and like, well, you know, Luke Skywalker. It just, it it feels almost fictional in the way that these ground rules are laid out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Or is that super offensive? 
No, I totally get that. Like, I was, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I, I was, we, we got our, both of our babies baptized when they were like seven or eight months. So I'm, I, I always think to myself, like if they had, God forbid, passed away before then, would they, would people really believe that they wouldn't be just going to heaven? Like, I just feel like that's a really sad thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And yeah, that doesn't seem right. Like, how is that your that. default view of, well, tough luck for that kid. Like, how? Right. Is, what have they done wrong? Right. But <laughs> it's the same thing for us, that my wife and I chose not to, we're not members of any particular church. I mean, not that we are devoid of any spirituality. I'm sure the more you unpack, I've got plenty of it that I just don't acknowledge or don't understand. But we're not members of any church or congregation here in the Twin Cities area. And I've definitely felt pressure from my own family to why not just do it? Where's the harm in it? Well, for us, it feels disingenuous. It's the same reason we didn't get married in any particular church because we had no affiliation. So to do that in a church felt like, well, we're just picking and choosing. This doesn't have any significance then. And we both kind of agreed that the idea of, well, if God's supposed to be everywhere, it doesn't matter what the building is, Mm -hmm. you know, that idea of if it's everywhere, that's, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's in your heart and you can follow that. And it, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of hokiness. So Mm -hmm. you think there's something after. Mm -hmm. You think something happens after the fact. Do you think it's anything remotely like our current existence? Do you think that there's any kind of experience like this or is it something along those lines? Is that something you think about at all? Honestly, I don't even think about it. And maybe that's just like an unconscious decision. Like it's just too much to think about. So it just, I just don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Um, and nobody talks about it, which is why you have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's just it. It's it's unless you examine that, and I have been through enough health scares with people in my own life that you have to acknowledge some of those things at points where you think, okay, if something happens at this moment and we go down Avenue A, I have to prepare for that reality, even if I can't think about it, but hopefully we go down Avenue B, and then you go down Avenue B, and you've still got some of that baggage that you've started to unpack from Avenue A, but it it takes a really intentional mindset to say, do I really want to think about that? It's horrible stuff, and that's something that people don't really acknowledge, and you have to plan for bad things to happen, having a will. And is that and something I should set out as a precedent as well and put this in writing somewhere on a website is that none of this will be legally binding, so if there's any conversation about this, mm-hmm. we won't use this in court unless there's some bizarre precedent that is yeah. that I'm unaware of. But have you and your husband talked at all about what would happen if one of you passes away? Like, do you have wills written up? Like That's actual so funny documents? You ask that. Or? Yeah, actually. So, um, well, we recently recently got like new health or life insurance, new benefits, uh, new benefit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> with the new baby and everything. So. Um, and I was talking to our school police, our school resource officer, they call him, he's a police officer that works in the school, in the school. And he was saying that when, um, when he has to go make house calls and let family members know that like somebody in the family died, um, it's obviously very horrible, but he, it really helps if, if the people, like, let's say the parents die in a car accident and the kids are just left alone. It really helps if there's like a folder in the house that has like all the information, like here's your life insurance, here's this phone number for this and this and this, and like information on the will. 
because otherwise it's just like a scramble for months or years to fi- find all that stuff and um, figure that all out. So that's a conversation we've had recently. I, I made an emergency folder just in case something like that were ever to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually asked your wife, Evie, <laughs> about where to go to start a will. Like, I, I wouldn't even know the first step. So, yeah, so I've thought about that now just to protect my kids and make things easier for them. Yeah, it's certainly something that once you have kids, it becomes a, oh, nope, we have to plan for the future. Like, until mm-hmm. we had our daughter, it was just kind of, ah, it's the two of us, and we'll just kind of figure things out as we go along, right. and nothing could really happen. And now we have to plan ahead of talk to family members to say, what if something happens to one of us? What do we do? What if something happens to both of us? What do we do for that? If that hap- if something happens to one, two, and three, mm-hmm. what happens after that? And we've had to have unpleasant conversations, but that certainty is so much better than just saying, I guess we'll figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, Yeah. And it, the unselfish thing to do is to figure it out now because it's going to affect other people in the absolutely. future. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really easy to just say, oh, whatever, and just ignore it. But- yeah, it's definitely harder to have that conversation and make those plans. Yeah. But it's not going to change when you die either way. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the hook of all of this is that it's not like we're going to avoid it. Unless something phenomenal happens with science, everybody dies. Everybody dies, and there's no getting around that. But we just – we're not sold that message. We don't get that told to us in advertising day in, day out. We're not told time's running out to something. And – we just can kind of, uh, what's the phrase, entertaining yourself to death, where you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of stare at your phone, and then you watch some TV, and you go about your day, and do some stuff, and you don't really think about the grand scheme of things beyond your daily life, so you just kind of get into this bubble with horse blinders on, and you just think, yeah, well, you know, I'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes, and then the day after that, when that day comes, but mm-hmm. you don't think about, I will be gone eventually, and that's a heavy thought that people don't like to confront, is that anything that ever does that ever, you know, creep into the the space of your mind? Like, not necessarily like when you're going to sleep or like, mm-hmm. is that an existential thing that happens to you at all where you think suddenly, oh, like, has that dread ever hit? It it does for like a quick second and then it goes like right out because <laughs> it's like so hard to think about that yeah. I just, it's I, I avoid it. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I it, think most people do. <laughs> I think what it's something like existential, existential vertigo where the enormity of all of history that existed before us and then all of time that'll exist after us. We just, if you think too hard about it, our own insignificance becomes disorientingly just out of whack that you just think like, this is not right. Something is out of line here and not to dismiss it in any terms, but I think that's why we have a tendency to move towards religion and organization that says, this is not it. There is something beyond this that we have more importance than just born this date, died this date, and anything you do in between is fun, that there's an idea of something matters beyond this. And that's kind of what I'm looking for because I'm here to ask questions. I don't have many preconceived notions about what happens. Like as far as I'm concerned, like from my own experience, it's dead over. Like I don't have much in my own life to make me think that there's much beyond this. I was um, uh, probably six or seven years ago, I was in the room when my dad's aunt passed away, like the moment she passed. And that was heavy. That w- I'd never seen anything like that. I hadn't expected it to happen. Nobody was expecting it to happen that 
day, let alone when we were there. But, you know, she was alive and breathing one moment, and then she stopped. And that was it. And it was really a profound incident in my life that caused me to really step back and gave me a sense of awe and wonder. But on another level, it's it's as simple as here and not here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel any particular shift myself that I can recognize as far as there was something here that is not like a, a sense of spirituality. And maybe that's something that I'm missing that I think I'm missing. I've had really faith-oriented people that would tell me otherwise that like it's the idea of the fact that I'm willing to ask this question at all means that there's a propensity for it. But I don't have any any answers at all. And so that's why I wanted to talk to people about this because if I don't ask these questions, I'm never going to know. You know, Mm -hmm. I used to... uh, I used to corner friends of ours who I know are particularly religious and try to find the right opportunity to say, so from what I understand, you're kind of a religious person. Do you want like, can you tell me a bit about what, like what drives that? Because I'm, I'm curious about, I've felt this thing wither on the vine for me. Like it's not something that's super strong and full. And then people that have that and demonstrate that, that are close to me, I want to know, like, where does that come from? So from what you've shared so far, it's not something that is absent in your life, but you don't feel the draw to go to a particular church, like the the places you had your kids baptized. Are you Mm -hmm. members of those congregations? We're not. um, It's Lutheran Church. Okay. I'm not planning (laughs) to, um, I'm not planning to jump back into the Catholicism. Um, Sure. But this Lutheran church, we did some research and we found something that we would feel comfortable at. And they had a lot of really, it seemed like really good children's and youth programs. So something, someplace where my children would have a positive experience and feel some connection to because I didn't grow up with that connection. And I think if I had, I might have a stronger faith now. But so I guess with this church, we feel we, have, we don't belong there. We hope to sometime in the future, but not right now because we just don't. We don't see ourselves de- being dedicated enough right now to like go to church on Sundays or anything like that, right. um, or bring to Sunday school or anything. Um, but I think maybe if I had felt more of a connection to my church and my religion, then maybe I would have stronger thoughts about the afterlife. But I really just wasn't didn't feel connected to it. So we're hoping that this, whatever church we decide to belong to, which we will, we hope to, um, that we feel more of that connection so that we have a stronger faith, I guess. And you mentioned that when you were a kid, you went to church camps and things like that. I had total similar experiences. That was my, you know, (laughs) generally, yes, particularly the non-church related aspects. Yeah. You know, the camp part, great, loved it. The singing the songs and doing the hand motions was just that was death to me. Like really? I just, oh God, if to this day, if you ask me to do hand motions for a song, I just die a little inside. So learning to do that with my daughter of like the wheels on the bus, I just feel like the biggest goober in the world, but it's, <gasps> she thinks it's hilarious. So I do it. Um, but I'm guessing for your own kids, knowing that experience, you would want to share that and like give them the camp experience and like maybe the yeah, moral framework. And I framework think, that, that's what I was just going to say, the moral frame. Yeah. Because I think with Christianity, the plus side to it is that it's, definitely like B 
be a good person is kind of what they're telling you. So, um, and a lot of my friends who are Christian and, um, were involved in their churches are really great people, very selfless and confident and just the kind of person that you'd want in your life. So, um, yeah, so I want my kids to grow up with those, that moral compass, I guess you could say. Sure. I mean, we've known each other for like, what, 15 years now? I mean, that's, isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. And you could, old. <laughs> <laughs> but like you could sniff it out if it was bullshit at this point, you could say like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see John as a real Christian, like going to <laughs> church every Sunday. But like, I know how much he swears when he talks about this or like mm-hmm. definitely was not a clean and healthy person back in college or like everybody's got their <laughs> own things to deal with. And you know, a lot of people long enough and certainly in Minnesota is known for having super insular social circles and to break into a social circle here is a real problem for outsiders so that you know the people that you've known basically your entire life. I mean, you went to elementary school and like preschool with a lot of your current friends. So you could certainly sense like if this person is not as genuine, that not only hurts your understanding of that person, but then that influences how you see the larger organization as a whole that like and I don't think I had any of that when I was a kid. Like my parents were members and are members of this, you know, very nice down the middle of the road Lutheran church where, yeah, everybody's just small town, very nice. And I don't have any umbrage about anything. There were no large scandals that I was aware of. And that just, if there had been something heinous or some kind of crazy scandal or crime that would certainly affect it and color it. But I don't think that I've had that issue with it. So it's, I'm just, these are the kinds of things that we can't talk about in pleasant company, you know, when like we're just hanging out on a barbecue or whatever. And I just, I love picking into these ideas. So to that end, have you thought about at all, were something bad to happen to you or your better half? Have you thought about funerals at all? Um, I've thought about um, having, like, if I were to die, to have, like, a really fun funeral. <laughs> like, <laughs> like beach balls like, and some Like, limbo. don't wear black and don't make it so formal. Like, do something that I would want to do. Like, go to a bar and, like, okay. have some drinks and appetizers. <laughs> now, yeah, I have like, to ask, celebrate are you Irish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And not as a bad thing. I'm jealous of it because that's an Irish funeral. That's the best kind where that's – it's literally – that's the point is not to mourn the person, but to celebrate yes. all of the good times. Yes. Yes. Okay. I just think, yeah, I hate funerals like so much. Like I will avoid at any cost. I just really? think it, yeah, it's just it's too sad. And yeah, if I could just celebrate a life instead, yeah. I think that that person would feel more honored. Have you been to many like, or do you actively um, avoid them when they come up? Well, I've only gone to, like, I haven't had anybody, knock on wood, anybody, like, super close to me pass away. Like, I've had grandparents, but that I wasn't, like, super close to. Um, Like, most of my grandparents died when I was little, and then Hmm. my last living one died when I was, uh, let's see, I was, like, 25, maybe. Okay. Um, So that one was harder than the others, but, um, and then... I've had like three college friends die. Really? Yeah, which is like super weird to think about. Um, and I'm guessing, I mean, 
were of the same age. These were pretty unexpected yeah, things. Yeah, so like, one um, college friend died of leukemia at age 22. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and then another one died of suicide at 31. Whoa. Yeah, she was like one of my best friends she, in college. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I'm... Yeah, and I had to miss that one, that memorial service, because it was in Milwaukee, and I had a newborn baby, so I couldn't attend. Oh, wow. um, that one was hard, the hardest, and still, like, hits me randomly. Yeah. Um, and then another one died of um, brain cancer Holy at, cow. like, 31, I think. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then, actually... F- <laughs> Not to be like too depressing, but I forgot about one last one that I wasn't quite as close with, but she died of a stroke oh, wow. at like 28. So there was two that I was closer with, two that I wasn't as close with, but it's just, it's just so weird. You spend time with people. Like I had just seen one of them at a bar in St. Paul like six months before she had the stroke. And then, and then like suddenly she's in the hospital and like clinging to life for a week. And yeah. And that's what's so heavy about this. Yeah. Just, it's just there's, weird. There's no... There's no planning for it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think about a friend of mine, that of uh, my wife, that I don't think she's a mutual friend of yours, but she was, you know, young woman, married, and she, she and her husband went to bed, and she, how was it, him, he just died spontaneously in his sleep. Like, she just woke up next to him dead. And it's just, how do you wrap your head around that? Mm-hmm. And people say that, oh, well, there's a plan for everything. Like, this is a horrible plan. Mm-hmm. Like, that. Uh, how could that possibly be some sort of grand scheme of things for anybody's benefit? So it's just, you know, I didn't think, not that, not that we've ever tried to unpack this before, but if somebody had said, do you think Katie has had to deal with a lot of death? I would say, no, not at all. I just, she, it's never come up and I've never, you know, bumped into that on any form of social media or it's never come up conversationally. But hearing you talk about it now, that's Mm -hmm. for somebody who lives a fairly, you know, quote unquote, normal life in the Midwest. Those are some young deaths to experience Mm -hmm. and have to be a part of or a witness to. And Mm -hmm. I'm first of all, I'm sorry. And if you don't want to talk about them, by all means, we can just move right along to the next thing. That's okay. But did you, so did you, you mentioned the the friend who committed suicide, you weren't able to attend the funeral. And I'm I'm really sorry for that. That's got to be a hard way to not be able to close that book. But the others, were you able to attend or did you choose not to? Um, And not from a place of judgment, by all means, everybody deals with grief and loss and death in their own way. So that's um, the one I did attend, it was in Wisconsin. Um, that was, um, she when she died at 22, so it was like a huge crowd of her high school friends, college friends. She very popular. Um, I wasn't super close with her, but it was, but yet it, that one almost hit me like just as hard as the others because she was so young and it was like my first time experiencing Somebody, somebody you know. that yeah, somebody my age dying was just like, I was like a kid basically, so it was yeah, kind of weird, but um, yeah, and then um, yeah, my friend um, who was from Milwaukee who committed suicide, that was really hard not to go to the services. Um, 
I, yeah, I felt like I didn't really get closure with that one. And sometimes I still like, you know, how on Facebook, it'll be like, remember this from four years ago. And it like brings up all these memories and it'll be like, oh, she wrote something on my Facebook wall. And it's like, or like I'm tagged in a photo with her. And it's just like, that's the stuff where like, it's weird because I can't just be like, hey, remember this or like just shoot her a text. And like the worst part about it was that like the, the night before she had texted me. Sorry, now of course I'm getting emotional. John, and you know gosh, I'm realizing I don't have any Kleenex. Down no, here. it's Do you want fine. Me to grab no, I can grab I'm, tissue. I'm okay. But she had texted me like something about um, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm thinking about switching careers. I and I was like giving her advice via text the night before this happened. So and I remember it like. I responded, and then um, she responded something back, and then I was busy because I had a newborn, and then something hit me later on. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to text her back. So I text her back, um, and then I didn't hear back again. And I, and then I heard, like, a few days later that that had happened the next day. And, and I remember thinking, like, I'm so glad that I texted her back because, like, I don't know. I feel like if I hadn't texted her back in that moment, I would have felt like that was some, like, I could have said something, you know? Right. Like, because she had asked me questions like, oh, if I didn't respond, I don't know. Sorry. I'm, I'm, now I'm like thinking about it and just like trying to remember the details, but. No, don't um, apologize for it. This is heavy, horrible yeah. shit. And it, if, again, if nothing else, I, let me know and I'll cut it out. <laughs> no, but yeah. it's, Kate, the. The last interaction you had with her was her reaching out to you and you saying, yeah, I'm here and I can help you with this and I can talk with you about this. And your last exchange was that, oh, I want to help. And Mm -hmm. we have no idea. There have been people in my own life that have done that. And there's just, that's the most frustrating, and not to speak ill of the dead, but the most frustrating, selfish part of it is that it just robs everyone of that chance to know and say this isn't this doesn't have to be it you can help and Mm -hmm. i'm here for you you were there you had a newborn which is the most demanding thing i've ever experienced not Mm -hmm. as the one who carried the (laughs) child and you were still willing to say oh you know what i still got to text her back and that i'm sorry Mm -hmm. but you were you were being a friend right until the end and that's don't ever be hard on yourself Mm -hmm. about that because you were you were doing what needed to be done but yeah that's it's hard and I'm sorry yeah I yeah it's just so weird it's just she wasn't somebody that I saw a lot but and I didn't even talk to her every day but it's just yeah so that's why it's, it's weird because yeah no that's what relationships are these days I, you go months without seeing somebody but it's just the occasional text and mm-hmm. one of my best friends from college my roommate for a while we I barely see him once or twice a year but just the occasional joke on Instagram or just those little things where you know that the tether is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, life is so much different than it was 100 years ago or even 20 years ago. I mean, it, <laughs> I'm the weirdo that calls people and people are like, stop calling. It's just text. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know, and I know. yet I just want to sit down here with you and have a one-to-one conversation mm-hmm. look you in the eye and say, now what's happening with this weird yeah. shit? So, and the mental health stuff is just getting worse and like the mental illness, the depression, anxiety, and, mm-hmm. um, suicides are on the rise and yeah, to make that happy segue, uh, <laughs> yes. as a counselor, you're dealing with young people on a regular basis. Do you seeing mm-hmm. this as a, an increasing 
trend or concern that this is something that's being amplified by our modern environment of everybody is connected all the time. People mm-hmm. feel more alone. Are you dealing with... Oh, yeah. How is it's this? It's terrible. Social media is like just... like So these kids, they're on their phones all the time. They're comparing themselves to other people. They're worried about, worried about their image 24-7. They're not getting enough likes or comments or whatever it is. Like they're losing friends on social media. They don't have enough followers. It's just like constant and they need that constant reassurance that they're enough. And when they don't get it, it's like, it just sends them into, they just spiral. They just can't handle it. And they don't have any coping skills because they don't have the skills to talk to somebody face to face (laughs) or to have a conversation because it's all on their phones, social media. So they just don't know how to cope so then they turn to well I'm going to hurt myself or I'm going to say I'm going to hurt myself to get attention and then that'll make everything better it's just like it's just horrible and so don't let your kids get on social media before they're like (laughs) yeah you know 17 18 years old that's my advice because it's just unless you're there supervising 24 7 it's just a recipe for disaster I am so so thankful I mean often, (laughs) multiple times a month, I can for sure find myself thinking consciously to myself, I am so glad this was not here when I was in high school. I mean, even to date ourselves, I, I remember my wife, then my girlfriend calling me excited in college saying, you've got to get on the Facebook. St. Thomas just opened up. You've got to get on there. I'm like, what is, yeah, it was the Facebook. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. And you had to have an EDU from an improved school to get online. And it was just, even then, at like 21 years old, I was not handling it well, and I deleted my Facebook profile for probably eight years, and I know for a fact I missed out on shitloads of social events or like just mm-hmm. discussion about stuff, and I felt pretty isolated, but I'm also a pretty isolating person. Like, I just, I, not as though I'm some tragic figure, but like, I know I just tend to be Introverted. Alone. Yeah, introverted and not... Um, that lovely combination of narcissist and uh, neurotic where it's just like I, all I want to do is think about myself. But <laughs> finally moving out to the suburbs from the city, it's like, all right, you got to have some tethers to reality and talk to other people and make sure you're not missing some stuff. And so I did sign back up for it. And it was horrifying to see how much crap was still there. Like none of that goes away. You try to delete it, but it's all still mm-hmm. there. But I didn't like – there were events or things I didn't partake in, but it's not as though I missed anything in life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. When I got married, <laughs> I was at the time really obsessed with Twitter. Um, and I had agreed, okay, when we go on our honeymoon, I'm just going to turn my phone off for the entire time we're in Hawaii and just not deal with it. And at first it was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And then I got back and turned my phone on. I was like, yeah, and the internet's still there. Mm-hmm. It's... Nothing great happened. If anything bad happened, I would have seen it on the news or, like, people would have freaked out in a mm-hmm. cafe. Like, I still would have known about it. And now it's just – it feels more like that entertaining ourselves to death mm-hmm. notion of just, like, oh, I'm going to check this thing. I'm going to check this thing. I'm going to check this thing. And if they're all – okay, those are good. Now what else can I check? Like, it just – I have to remind myself to just turn that shit off. Just mm-hmm. sit and read a book for a little bit. Have some quiet time. Yeah. Think a little bit. Have a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. Yes. So – I know, and we wonder why, you know, mass shootings are on the rise. It's because people are isolating themselves and not making connections to people, and then they're going literally crazy. And 
Yeah, it's sad. I'm I'm hopeful that our generation, as we raise our children, we will raise them, after seeing what's happening, we will raise them to not turn out that way. Yeah. <laughs> or to be healthier people. Yeah. But... There is, from what I understand, and maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part, but there is supposedly a movement among the generation younger than us, so... I would say your <laughs> your students and younger that there's a push to take back their privacy. Like we're the one dumb generation that lived all of our shit online. Like as soon as it said go, we just were like checking in on Foursquare and checking in on this and mm-hmm. here's all my job stuff on LinkedIn. We're the one generation who just was like take our privacy. Just take it. And now that there are kids coming up and they're like, well, no, I don't want to have everything tracked online. I don't want to have all of this. Like we have mutual friends who I know when their kids are born, they registered those email addresses and Facebook profiles. And it's like, oh, okay. First of all, that's assuming that's going to be there in 10 years. But second, like, I I wonder if they check that and see the spam that they're getting about, Mm -hmm. like, do you see any of that with your students as wanting to Mm -hmm. take back their privacy at all? Or is it still kind of snapping and YouTubing all their shit that they just want to make sure that they're out there and visible and like branding themselves. That's what I've been seeing. So unless I'm just not aware of this other group, but (laughs) maybe because just because I get all the drama in my office, but (laughs) that's, yeah, you're getting a very particular. (laughs) subsect. Yeah. Um, but I do get like, you know, kids are wondering. So there's these twin girls who have, um, like an Instagram page and they're in high school and they, you know, they're like kind of like models, I guess. And so they take all these pictures together and have the makeup and they dye their hair all crazy colors and they have like quite a following. I don't know. It's stupid, but. <laughs> that's No, that's intense. That's yeah. a whole, like, A, to put their life out there that much. That's like the uber definition of the popular kid from like a John Hughes high school movie of like, not only are they popular, there's two of them and they're putting all their shit and branding it online. And like, Mm -hmm. they're probably making money off of this and being unacknowledged paid influencers about stuff. Yes. So are they, God, I've got so many questions about that. Like, do do you see that as particularly maladjusted i mean not to like <laughs> i don't want to assuage them or still throwing throw stones at kids but like that yeah, i think i'm like where are their parents like why are they letting these kids do i mean some of the pictures are like a little risque and it's like Ugh. and then they're they're complaining once because some kid was making these creepy comments on their instagram photos and i'm like well you know you kind of are asking for it a little bit <laughs> yeah like i don't want to tell them to cover up and like you, it's not victim blaming, but yeah. like it's a very conscious choice to put out there. Yes. I, like every I dumb know. tweet I put out, it's like, can I get fired over this? Right. And being between jobs right now, I don't care. But yeah. I, it could definitely keep me from getting employed. Mm. But do you, and it's not as though I'm certainly beyond that. Everywhere. I was in bands in high school where all I wanted to have was people come to see me play when I was writing songs about shit that I was dealing with. Like, it's that was a proto version of that where now, good God, I could not imagine the bad poetry and shit that I would put online if I was... Again, mm-hmm. I'm so thankful this was not around when I we were younger. <laughs> are you having to deal with it all, young people who are getting caught in a bubble of their own ideology, like uh, an echo chamber of their own 
unintentional making. Like that's something I struggle with from just being a white guy in my 30s in the Midwest. If I'm not careful, it quickly my life online just becomes a bunch of white guys in their 30s making jokes about the same shit. And like, yeah, that's an endorphin rush of like, oh, we all like the same things, but that's not reality. Like I try to consciously get outside of that do you are you having to deal mm-hmm. with people who like aren't aware of the fact that they're falling into um what is not accurate depictions of reality does any of that make sense yeah i'm just trying to think of how i would answer it i honestly don't think that they share as much with me as like in the last few years that they used to. I don't know <laughs> if that really... you out, you narc. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, don't trust her, man. She's going to tell the principal. And I mean, they're getting, they're getting more and more just like in... Like social media is real life for them. And then like my conversation with them are like are not real. To, like it's it's weird. Like they, they live in the internet. <laughs> like, Holy shit. That makes so, sense. Yeah, but I mean, do they think then that... Not in the sense of you're telling them what they would want to hear or something like that but like this doesn't have the same significance as their online yeah. representation does and if i've ever Fuck. suggested like maybe you should log off for log off the social media for a few weeks and see what happens and it, they look at me like uh, i'm crazy like absolutely not that is life like that is their life they would never give it up or if i suggest that to a parent like hey i think you should take your kid's phone away or like disable their instagram or whatever it's like Oh, I know. Yeah. But like, they're not open to it because <laughs> that is like everything for these kids. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. I mean, not all kids. There are a few that. There's plenty of good of, apples out there, yeah. but you are not <laughs> dealing necessarily with all the people. You don't have people coming to your office saying, you know, today things are great. Here's right. what's going on. Check this out. I got an A. I'm doing this. You've got right. people who are dealing with some shit. Yes. Um, do you have to worry at all about threats to safety of other students? Not in just isolated, I want to kick this person's ass, but like, I mean, elephant in the room, there's never been, as far as I know, any kind of lockdown incident at your school, mm. or, I mean, is that something that you're having to there watch for? are, probably like every few weeks we get like a, a threat, but, and like in quotes, it like, but they don't actually have intent. Like, for example, a couple weeks ago, this girl was, like, saying that she was going to kill somebody at the school, but she didn't really mean it, but she, she was just really mad at them. But we had to investigate it. and Yeah, what's the word for that where it's um, not inflammatory, but, um, you know, the non-literal sense yeah. like, God, I kill this person right now. Yeah. Like that kind of... When I was in middle school, high school, there was definitely a rash of people calling in bomb threats just to get out of school. Yeah, like, same here. Yeah, seriously, we're still doing this? Like, there was always the same girl at our school. It's like, oh. Right. Like, how do you not think they're going to track you down? Right. Nothing is anonymous, you know? Oh, God. So you're, it's not like there's... Um, well, or, yeah, like another, like, some kid made a comment, like, about shooting up the school, like, as a joke but it was not funny and so they always investigate it like our deans and the admin team they investigate it but it's knock on wood it's been nothing nothing's come out of these things sure um and we do also we have like lockdown drills and stuff just in case like especially after all these recent school shootings jesus yeah um so far nothing 
credible yet. The kids worry about it? Do they talk about that at all? They don't talk about it, at least not with me. Like, I don't know if they honestly have become, like, inse- like um, what's the word? Desensitized? Desensitized, yeah. Because That's it's horrifying. just, I know. I know. God. And it's, yeah, but, it's just so frustrating to have no control over something that just could go so wrong so mm-hmm. fast that, are there kids where, <laughs> not to name names, and I'm sorry for laughing, but, like, <laughs> can you kind of pinpoint, like, all right, watch this kid, like, something. Oh, Yeah. Like, Seriously? Oh, yeah. We talk about, like, these. If there was ever a school shooting, like, these kids would be probably the I know. It's sad. But. Good God. I know. So you just got to try to keep kids connected to adults and build, build relationships with the kids so that they feel like they are special and that they aren't alone, I guess. One of the things that. When I mentioned I was going to be doing this and talking with people about this, uh, with my dad, actually, he mentioned that he was talking to the funeral director in the town they live in right now, that um, he'd mentioned that um, my people in my dad's generation are really doing away with funerals, I, unless I'm getting this backwards, that he said, you know, our parents' generation is doing away with it, that, you know, no service will be held in lieu of memorial, send flowers to, blah, 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 blah. But that younger people, um, again, the generation below us, are really taking it back and saying, no, we want to have a funeral and do this and celebrate mm. this person and really memorializing. And I wonder if that's kind of an outgrowth of that online life or that, mm. you know, that meta life that is not just the corporeal body sitting here, but the sense of self that's decentralized and not on a computer. Do you mm-hmm. see kids dealing with death in a way? Like, have you had students die and dealt with how kids are having to come in and talk to you about it? Hmm. Yeah, there was um, one student who died in the fall. Um, and there's a few girls that came in um, to talk to me just because it was like the next day and they were having a hard time. Sure. And, but mostly they just want to be around each other. So, mm. um. I don't know, as far as memorials, I'm not really sure. The thing that kind of disturbs me, though, is when they they almost think they can still like, connect with that person by, like, writing on their Instagram or, like, their Facebook or whatever it is, like, being like, rest in peace, man. It's like, dude, he's not getting that message. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so it almost makes, like, death feel not so real to them because they still feel like they can, like, chat or, like, connect with them. So it's like, I don't know if they really totally get the finality of of death, you know, cause they can still kind of reach out to them yeah. even if they're getting nothing in return. So that's kind of, well, creepy. I wonder if that's not unlike having a cemetery or having a tombstone where you oh, can yeah. go and talk to somebody. I've not been, I don't think of myself as somebody who would go and talk to somebody at a cemetery. And yet, um, my wife and I, we had our cat Friday for, you know, 12, 13 years, we had her cremated and she's in a little box upstairs. And, you know, I will say sorry if I bump the table she's on or like not out of like necessarily thinking like she's there and can hear me, but like, oh, sorry, like it just, Mm -hmm. it's almost a natural thing where you just, you recognize the vessel that is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's just, I mean, this is 
coming back to the whole point of why I want to do this, because this is just some, what I call noodle baker shit that just, you think about it too much and it just, it's going to bake your noodle that this is, this happens to everybody. It's just a short time and we can be in denial of it, but everything ends and that's hard. And that's, you know, I've seen people who've lost both their parents early on and how that shapes them. And I really want to talk to them in this format to find out, you know, what are some things that we can't talk about in Pleasant Company? How does this affect your daily life? And I know that some people in my life, it's left this massive echo of an empty space that we can't even talk about it. And yet there are other people who I know are just very open about it. And yeah, you know, here's what happened with it. And it's, everybody's got their own unique take on it. So I I really can't thank you enough for being willing to talk about this stuff. Before we wrap up here, we're kind of about the 45 minute mark. Um, We touched briefly on it. Your own funeral, you want it to be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. You want it to be a celebration. Yeah. So, so I'm glad that we're recording this because now Mike will know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, you've got proof here. Don't worry. We're going to sort this out. Play these songs. Number one, Waterfalls, TLC. Kate said she loves it. Yes. Uh, no, but you pop. want it to be a positive thing. Do you think at all about like casket? Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be? Oh. I just found out today burial at sea is 100% legal in the United States and the military will even help veterans do it. Like all it's to put people in the ground seems weird when you start thinking mm-hmm. about it. But you don't want to yeah. leave some. I don't know. Personally, I, w- I can say I haven't settled on anything that I would like to do. But I've always thought if I'm not going to be here, I don't want to take up too much space geographically considering <laughs> there's not going to be much space left at the way mm-hmm. that we're growing. I would say cremate me and spread me somewhere. But again, I don't want to deny the people in my life that it go on without me the chance to have a place to come and mourn for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that kind of, that dichotomy of I'm not here anymore. That's not me. Mm-hmm. But again, the funeral is not for the dead. The funeral's for the living. Mm-hmm. Is that anything yeah. that you've had to think about? Or is it just kind of like, I don't want to. Oh, I haven't thought too hard about it. I thought maybe I'd want to be cremated just because it's, I just think it's creepy and like t- dead bodies and caskets are just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun stuff. <laughs> it's not fun to look at. Um, but then I also want some place for my loved ones to visit yeah. if they want to talk to me or mourn my death, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, what if they could like plant a tree and like spread my ashes like that's, in the dirt? <laughs> no, that's definitely a thing. And that's actually somebody else that I want to have on as a guest has talked about you can have your ashes actually mixed in with the potting oh. material for a tree. So that is that tree is literally grown from your ashes. Oh, wow. That That's a really cool, that is cool circle of life kind of thing that I would love to see people embrace more because, again, mm-hmm. we're not exactly flush with space at this point. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So um, before we sign off, again, thank you. Yes, thanks for having me. I've learned I need to have Kleenex down here. (laughs) And anything you want to tell listeners, just reach out to their counselors. Make sure that they're not spending too much time online or just say, check out this restaurant or, you know. You know, I would say put your phones down and connect with people in real life. That's what I would say. Practice that. And that's me giving myself advice, too, because I need to work on that, too. So Very cool. (laughs) Well, I can't thank you enough. Katie, this has been so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right.